you don't get the leads just by posting an article or posting a picture, you get it by engaging with the prospective client. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest coming back to you here on Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. I have Mr. Eric Rolo from Boston, Massachusetts. Eric is in an extreme seller's market right now. We're going to talk about how to get listings, how to get your buyer's contracts accepted, and all things good when it comes to that and, and, and a lot more. So without further ado, Eric, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks, Pat. I'm really happy to be here. Eric, why don't you uh, give us a rundown, like who you are, tell our audience a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you better. Yeah, for sure. So I uh, I grew up just outside of Boston in a suburb, and that's where I got started in, in real estate about 10 years ago, um, and that was while I was in college. So I started working basically over the summers at a boutique firm that specialized in investment properties and rentals. And you know, my first year, I made probably about 30 thousand dollars doing rentals in three months um, so I was kind of hooked at that point and from there uh, went to grad school I was coming out of co college right when the market crashed in 2008 so I, I decided to hedge my bets went back to grad school for applied educational psychology and actually worked in higher education while doing uh, real estate on the side for about five years total including when I was doing my master's and got down to a point where my wife finally said to me listen you're, you're so much happier at night and on the weekends uh, as opposed to at your nine to five day job day jobs so ended up making the jump back into real estate full-time uh, joined an up-and-coming firm in the Boston market and was able to learn a lot through their education tools but also really able to kind of solidify um, my place within the office and over the past few years, my business has cont continuously grown, uh, which has been which has been wonderful. But I specialize mostly in uh, condo sales in and around the Boston area. Still go home to Framingham every now and again and do some single families for friends and family. But uh, a lot of condos, my my clientele is becoming more and more high end by the year. Uh, but I do find myself working with a number of first time home buyers because you know it's my my SEO uh, or my um, my sphere of influence is mostly people late 20s early 30s my age so they're out there buying their first homes so what's the what would you say the most expensive condo you've sold is uh, i just have a listing coming on uh this week that i sold to the gentleman for just under a million uh about two years ago we're listing that at 1.29 or one point yeah 1.2 and then i've done another one in a high-end building that was around a million and a half that was two years ago and hoping to get that listing back within a couple within a year or so because prices in that building have skyrocketed so it would be a great listing to have so some of these things are going up 30 percent a year oh yeah absolutely i mean my, myself i was talking to you earlier before the call i just bought last year and when we refied um, we had already made about 10 12 percent interest in about seven months so it's the, the market here is just soaring, especially in some of the emerging neighborhoods. So it's a supply and demand thing. Obviously, there's, there's a demand for condos in Boston. 
the supply is lower than it has been in the past. Why? Why is that? I mean, the, the hard part about Boston is that there hadn't been a lot of building for a very long time. Part of that was driven by the market crash in 2008. A lot of the projects stalled. But the other, the other pieces were such a historic city. So in neighborhoods like the Back Bay and South End, the historical societies won't let you build up over three or four floors. Um, we just don't have the capacity or the space. And what we've seen developers doing in terms of larger buildings, you know, 100, 200, 300 unit buildings, they're looking in neighborhoods that were otherwise not, not seemed as, you know, having a basis of residential support. And what we've seen is with projects like Millennium Place and now Millennium Tower, the, those types of projects, which are right in downtown Boston in a neighborhood called Downtown Crossing, uh, what, we're, what we're seeing is because of these high-end buildings going in, it's creating its own basis of resident support. So when Millennium Place went in, they focused very much on a on a, a neighborhood within the building and creating you know an on-site restaurant, an owner's lounge, things of that nature that would keep people in the building. But once those residents got there, you started seeing things like grocery stores, other high-end restaurants, and other other things that you just need in a neighborhood to make it viable for residents to live in. Um, you started seeing those things pop up. And with that came more announcements of more development projects. They actually just announced another 300-unit building um, in that same neighborhood that, that they've permitted on already. So that's kind of what we're seeing in terms of those, those neighborhoods and, and the inventory issues. But the, the other piece is, is with sellers, the, people were gun-shy for a really long time, I think, about listing their place. And it's just now that we're starting to see folks realize the returns when they bought in two, 2006, 2007. They're just starting to come back. Uh, to where they they can either move up or move out within within the city or around it. Yeah, so it's kind of like as a buyer, you you're gonna have faith that you might go into some of these some of these neighborhoods that may have reputations as not being great neighborhoods or great areas, but that once this is built and people are moved in, the universe will take hold and 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 grocery stores will be built, things will be built around it, and and it will it will change on you. Is that what you have to hope for in some of these areas? In in some areas, I mean, just to use an example, that most expensive listing at Millennium or most expensive condo sale that I did in Millennium Place, you know, when I told my mother where that was, she said, Eric, that's the combat zone. You know, 20, 25 years ago, that was a really, really rough and seedy part of town. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's it's just really changing. Part of that's the city of Boston. They've done a really good job in improving those types of areas. But with emerging markets, like certain areas in a neighborhood called Dorchester and then East Boston, where Logan Airport is, um, you know, East Boston's one of the hottest markets right now. And I was over there this weekend with a client and, you know, he said it feels, it feels gritty over here, but it, it, he was excited about it and excited about being a part of the change, changing neighborhoods. So you do have to have a little bit of faith and a, and a little bit of trust in, in the local professionals to be able to guide you in the right direction. So is it possible that somebody wants to be in a certain building and there's only one for sale in that building? Absolutely. We've seen that um, in a lot of the high-end buildings. You know, there may only be one or none for sale and folks are just waiting. I mean, we've been doing letter campaigns to some of these high-end buildings saying, you know, my, my client, Roger, is looking for a place in this building. He saw the one that went under agreement and we know that went for over ask. Do you realize the impact that that will have on the value of your own home? If you'd ever consider selling, please, you know, please reach out to me because I have a viable buyer here. And by making it person personable, the agents in my office have had luck doing that and actually closed deals uh, with those types of letter campaigns. So, uh, how do you make it personable? 
Uh, it, you get the client's permission to share their story, share their name, and, and really make it, because everyone will send letters to neighborhoods right. saying, you know, I have a buyer for your listing. But being able to say, you know, my, my buyer, Roger, went into, this, went into this last bidding war, and, you know, we were well over asked. Well, he's a serious buyer. He's, you know, whether he's cash, financing, whatever, and really kind of tell the story there and let them know that this isn't just another regular old, you know, hey, I have a buyer for your, for your listing. Mm. This is, I, I actually have a real person that wants to be in this building and here's why and doing it that way it, it, we found that people aren't throwing those letters away they're holding on to them because if they ever did consider selling you know they they want it to be quick and easy and they want to want someone that cares about about their new home um, especially in some of the older neighborhoods in the area you know they've been in this brownstone for 20 30 years they want someone that's going to care for it the way that they did Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So you try to give as much info as you can, maybe like Roger's, Roger's uh, personal situation or mm -hmm. the job, the fact that he's pre-qualified, quick decision maker, that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, kind of let, allowing them to vet the client before they even have to think about selling. You know, they're, the, by the time they've read this letter, it, it's my hope that they've already decided that they want to sell to the specific client. They, they don't want to list it. They just want to want to sell it right to them. What other tricks do you use to make sure that they open the letter and to make sure they read it? I mean, I've always been a fan of, of hand handwriting all the addresses and all of that. I think it makes it a little more personable. I don't use company company envelopes. I'll, I'll handwrite the envelope the entire way out. And then in terms of reading the letter, I sign each of my letters, you know, with with the pen, and not, it's not just my my thing, my signature pasted on there through the computer. And I think that them knowing that it's not just a, a mass generated letter can really help them um, in terms of opening it. You know, I, I've seen other agents even, if they have a family that's looking in a specific neighborhood, they'll enclose a picture of the family. You know, I, I don't know um, what kind of success they've had with it, but it, the more personal it can be, the, the better in, in terms of trying to get people to take action with these letters. Okay, so now I'm a seller. I get your letter. I call you. I'm like, Eric, maybe, maybe if Eric, if you just role play this with me, I'm, like, yeah, I'm a greedy seller, mm -hmm. okay? I get your 
a letter. So let's role play this, and, and this may help. So, uh, hey, Eric, uh, this is Pat Hyman. Listen, I live in, uh, you know, one, two, three, umpty ump on, on the fifth floor, and, uh, you know, I got this letter. If you make me an offer I can't refuse, I'll move. Hey, great. That, sound, that, sounds, that sounds wonderful. When can I come by and see your place, either with or without my client, just to give you a better idea of how much I think it's valued at? Well, you know, I really don't want anybody walking through that's not serious unless they're going to take my price. I mean, what do you think that, what do you think this guy Roger's going to pay? You know, I, I think that he'd look at the space and then look at, uh, you know, what the market has, has paid for other similar units in the building. And then potentially we could put something together. But the first things first, you know, we need to set up an appointment. So would Tuesday or, or Thursday be better for you? Hmm. So you just go, you just go in for the appointment now. Yeah, the, the whole thing is getting in the door, and you know, if you have, and making sure that you actually have a buyer for it. You know, I want if I'm previewing it because Roger's in New York or London, wherever he is. Um, you know, I want to be able to say to them, okay, he's back in town next week. You know, can we set up an- another time to get him through? I think this will work for him. But the, the whole thing, just like with any list pre- presentation, the whole thing's just getting in the door first. Um, because if it's not going to work for Roger, I at least want to be able to, to try and, and get this listing for myself anyhow, you know? So, so do you try to flip it to the listing and get a full commission? Or do you try to get a one-time showing agreement at half the commission? What are you trying to do? In, in this case, what we've done is it's um, I, I've I've done one-time showing agreements before at, at just having the buyer side paid, um, you know the two and a half paid, and I'd represent the buyer, the seller would represent represent themselves. If it's not going to work for the client once they've seen it, uh, you know then I'd try to go in for a full commission. And in the luxury luxury buildings, oftentimes you'll see it's not you know, a full, what, what we would consider, you know, there's no standard, but, uh, you know, I, I might not do the, the 5%. I might drop to the four or whatever, just to, just to, because it's such a big deal, um, and in recognition that they might not necessarily list otherwise. So, so you just go in, you, you get the one sheet of paper signed just so you're mm-hmm. protected. So you're not screwed out of a commission because they'll exchange cards or nowadays you can look anybody up. You bring a guy right. through there and, and he says his name is, is Roger Palenka, and he can Google him and, and find him on LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. So it's too Absolutely. easy. So you get something signed uh, at the preview, and then if Roger hates it, doesn't like it, then you just follow up with the, with the seller and, and you know as kind of a follow-up for a potential listing later on? Yeah, I mean, I would continue following up and say, you know, if you're serious about getting this price, here's what I can offer to you in terms of my services. Is that something you'd be interested in? And see if we can um, get them to go the more traditional route of of signing a listing agreement. But just to to jump back a little bit, you and I talked, you know, about a year ago, I think, and we talked a lot about buyer agency and getting the buyer agency agreement signed. And that's what's also key in this situation because if the seller's not going to sign off on the on the one-off showing, you at least want the protection on the buy side to be able to hold up a contract contract and say, listen, you know, you signed this and, and said I was representing you so that if it does end up um, that they're reaching out to each other in de- in independently of me, I want to be able to go back to the buyer and say, listen, you know, we had an agreement and, and it says here that you're going to pay me two and a half percent on the buy side if the seller refuses to pay. So that's important to have as well. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our podcast sponsor, House Folios. We're in real estate to find the next big deal, right? We want to find the deal, make money, and then turn around and do it all over again. It can be frustrating having to search through thousands of properties trying to find that Goldilocks property that is just right for your investment goals. That's why we're here to tell you about House Folios. House Folios is a management software for single family home investors that makes it simple to find good deals, get financing, and manage your property portfolios 
all from one platform. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily search for properties, both listed and unlisted, analyze numbers based on your specific assumptions, and provide resources to get you through underwriting and closing. And this is a feature we like most. You can track your numbers at multiple levels. Want to see the returns on the specific property in seconds? Check. How about an entire portfolio of properties you're looking to buy? Check. And then being able to present these properties to investors to become the go-to real estate agent for their investment needs? How awesome is that? Managing your investment properties has never been easier. The best part, it's affordable. Plans start at just $29 a month, 29 bucks to unlock the tools to manage your entire investing cycle, all in one place. Check it out at housefolios.com. And if that's not enough, Housefolios is giving our listeners a special rate on an entire year of Housefolios, just 99 bucks. So instead of 29 bucks a month, 99 bucks for the year, head on over to housefolios.com forward slash RE Rockstars to sign up. Again, head over to housefolios.com forward slash RE Rockstars to get an entire year of Housefolios for only 99 bucks. Interesting. Interesting. So tell me about how you, two things uh, you know, that come to mind. First of all, how do you figure out what to tell the buyer to offer, what to tell the seller to ask in an ascending market? Do you, do you add on 1%, 2%, 3% to the comps? And, uh, and then how do you deal with appraisals? Well, the appraisal, that's, that's a big challenge is, is dealing with the appraisals and making sure that it will appraise. And basically, when, I, when I'm working with on the buy side, I look at these listings and go through as I would if I was going to list the property or as I would if I was an appraiser, I guess, um, you know, sitting down looking at the, the comparable sales. And I comp differently than a lot of people in, in my office even. And I'll, I'll start whether it's on the street. If I know, like... I just did a deal just down the street from me, and I knew about a lot of the inventory on the street and what it had sold for. So I started just on the street, and then I might go a tenth of a mile, maybe you know, 0.15 miles, to try and really, really rein it in. And we do a lot with price per square foot here as well. In advising a seller in this market as as to what to list at, a lot of people are intentionally underpricing, um, and in order to try and drive a bidding war. So how do you get you got a guy that knows his house is worth you know more and he keeps getting letters in the mail so he's kind of cocky what's the dialogue you have with them as to getting them to accept a reasonable price and what's the dialogue you have with the buyer to get them to accept paying above the last sale Yeah absolutely you know for for the sell side, I think it's actually for both sides. It's just educating them. It's sitting down with them and, and looking at the market and looking at the number one, the global statistics. You know, the market in this neighborhood has appreciated by X percent over the last year. But also sitting down and saying, okay, you know, these three homes that are within a tenth of a mile of you have sold for this, this, and this. You know, and knowing the inventory because I, I like to go on a lot of the broker tours. I do public open houses over over the weekends. Um, you know, knowing the inventory is super important so that you can say to a seller, oh, I was in that home and I know that that one had an updated kitchen and yours does not. So, you know, it's, it's weighing that with the seller. On the buy side, um, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's using anecdotal stories, you, you know, using your past experience to explain to them, you know, this is what's happening in the market. And in order to be competitive, you're going to need to do X, Y, Z. And when you're going ahead and you're presenting an offer, it's showing the the strength that your that your buyer actually has. Uh, you know, not only just a pre-approval letter and you know a, a love letter about the property, 
with some of these cases, I'm showing proof of funds for their deposits because that can be something that another agent's not doing um, that kind of gives my buyer a leg up. You know, he has, he's giving you 10% by the per time purchase and sales agreement signed. So I want to back that up and say, you know, he has this available now so we can move quickly. He doesn't have to move money around, uh, things of that nature. So it's, it's positioning your client almost as a product. Um, you know, their, their offer is a product and I have to figure out how to best market them. Yeah, so they're buying a seven hundred thousand dollar condo, and your deposit's seventy thousand, where others might be five grand or five hundred. You know exactly. No, and and a lot of people, um, you know, a, a lot of folks say on the on the sell side that the deposit amounts are making a bigger difference now because, especially when you're in a multiple offer situation, if you're getting down to best and final. And the offers, you know, you've already let the sellers already let us know their ideal terms with dates and things of that nature. But being able to say, okay, you know, we're going to give five thousand with the offer, and then you know, an additional sixty-five thousand by the time we're signing the purchase and sale agreement, that that can show strength over someone that's just throwing, you know, a a thousand with the offer and then ten thousand or fifteen thousand with the with the PNS. So other ways of strengthening, you know, we use inspection thresholds in terms of not not just saying okay to the buyer's satisfaction. Action, but you know, repairs would have to be over a total of five, five grand, ten grand, um, to show them that you know they have a lot of skin in the game, and they're only backing out if there's something structurally wrong with the building or or the, something big with the mechanicals. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how do you protect yourself as an agent from the the thing underpraising and the and the whole thing falling apart? I, again, that's just knowing the inventory and know, knowing everything. Um, about the comps in the area and being able to then justify them and work with the listing agent in that case to be able to say, listen, like we know it's worth this. Now just make sure that you can articulate it to an appraiser. Um, and the other thing is, is being real with the client up front. And, you know, I had this situation here on my street um, when we were waiving a mortgage contingency, you know, being real with the client and saying, you, you do understand that if this doesn't appraise, you will have to likely come up with the difference because the, the seller is likely not going to drop the price down from what you offered. You know, you we're about 10% over ask, um, but it's justified on the street. You know, they had intentionally um, undervalued it when they listed it. You know, they, they put it at a very aggressive price because they wanted to solicit multiple offers. That was the point. So, you know, being, being real with the client and having the conversation up front is kind of how, how I protect myself and the transaction and, and explaining those risks. What would you say, I'm curious how you would answer this question, what do you think is worse, having tons of buyers and no listings or having tons of listings and no buyers? I would say having tons of buyers and no listings, and for me as an agent anyhow, just because the buyers are taking up so much more of your time and you can only be one place at one time. So, you know, if you have 10 buyers, there's no way I can be out with all those buyers. So then I have to spend time, what I call training the buyers to be able to go out to open houses on their own and do, and do those types of things. And where our market is so hot and everything's selling so quickly, you know, it, I can only be with one buyer at a time on the weekends, so they have to go out to open houses, but I also need to know that they're interacting with other agents in ways that they're not going to end up going to someone direct. So that's why on my end, the buyer agency agreements are, are so important. Um, and having a lot of listings and no buyers, I mean, there's, there's a buyer out there for everything. So being able to have those listings, as long as you're either A, marketing them properly, and B, priced correctly, there should be a buyer for that. And you know, the, the three L's in real estate, you know, leads, listings, and, and leverage that Gary Keller talks about in The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, the listings are, are by far and away the mo most important because with listings, they should be bringing you leads. So, 
Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I mean, I've had heartburn before when I've had, you know, 50 listings and the market is just dead. Like you get mm-hmm. no showings and, and there's nothing more painful than that. But I like, but I like how you kind of uh, reversed it on me and said, yeah, but they're probably overpriced. And and that's the thing, right? You know, it, it is, it would be my fault if I was in a depression because I had all these listings and there were no buyers out there. Whether you can create buyers by, by dropping the price significantly yeah. or, or lowering the price. Well, people want to argue with you and say, oh, it's because of the location. It's because of the kitchen. But there's one thing that you can change. You can't change the location. You could change the kitchen, but you might not get your money back and you might not do it to the buyer's taste. But you can always change the price to account for those things. Um, you know, that's, and that's a conversation that I think anyone that's in the business who's had a listing has to have with a, with a seller at some point or another. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal, but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about RentReady. RentReady is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many companies. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals, they're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, RentReady, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, RentReady is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of RentReady for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50, that's Rockstar50, and sign up for RentReady's annual plan at RentReady.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com with code ROCKSTAR50 to get rent ready for only $54. Yeah. So what are some other ways that you're going about to get listing inventory? Uh, For me, you know, I've, I've used social media quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I was in college when, when Facebook was first coming out, so I've been using that pr- pretty much 24-7 for the last, I don't know, 10, 10, 15, 10 years of my life, pretty much. Um, you know, you're, I'm always on my phone checking Facebook, things of that nature. But a lot of folks are using ad campaigns, which I do for all my listings, uh, to drive traffic back to a website to capture information, you know, a landing page or a squeeze page. But what I found more effective is actually the personal engagement on Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter in that, you know... I, I'll post something about a listing in a certain neighborhood and someone will comment on it and say, oh, you know, beautiful house, great neighborhood, I live there. And then reaching out to that person directly and being able to say, hey, who do you know that's thinking about buying or selling real estate in the area? You know, it seems like you're really fond of it. I'd love to be able to help out. And one of my listings right now in a suburb of Boston called Winchester, you know, it was, it was someone I haven't, ta- haven't talked to in 10 years. He, was, he lived in my building when I, was, when I was in college, and he had seen a couple Facebook posts about other listings I had had in the area, and 
you know, happened to reach out to me and just said, hey, my mom is kind of on the fence about selling. Uh, would you just go have a conversation with her? And I just went into the conversation with the mentality that I was going to walk out with a list contract and, and you know, what I did. Um, you know, I went in, explained my value, and, and but it was because of that direct engagement on social media with someone, again, I hadn't talked to him in 10 years, but I made sure to reach out to him and get back in touch right away. I set the appointment that afternoon and, you know, through that was able to get a, a one point a $1.1 million listing. Yeah, that's that that's kind of cool. So let, let's say if you focused on Instagram and you just posted pictures of listings and they don't even necessarily have to be your listings, right? It could nope. be other agents' listings. And let's say the, the condo building is Winchester Heights. You just hashtag Winchester Heights Boston mm-hmm. or Winchester Heights and someone might look up that and then all of a sudden they see a bunch of cool photos of Winchester Heights where there might not be a lot and they, they notice that you know a lot came from Eric Rolo and they're like, hmm, who's this guy? Yeah, you've just established yourself as an expert in that particular building. Um, and again, like you said, Pat, it doesn't have to be your own your own listings that you're sharing pictures of. I mean, obviously I do that for all my listings, but at the same time, when I'm on a broker tour and I'm on an awesome roof deck, I mean, like roof decks in Boston for me, like the view, the skyline views and everything, that's like Instagram gold. So every time I'm on a broker tour and I'm up on a roof deck or I see an awesome view, that's going on Instagram, hashtag Boston, hashtag whatever neighborhood it's in, because then someone's on Instagram and they happen to look for that neighborhood. They see, you know, oh, Eric Rollo has 20 pics of roof decks in the back bay. He must be, you know, the king of listings in the back bay when in reality, I, you know, I, I don't have any listings in the back bay right now. So dry, that's another way to drive traffic. But the most important part is continuously interacting with the various social media avenues to, to engage folks and to respond to people because people, a lot of agents have the set it and forget it mentality. You know, they just want to be able to set up Hootsuite and have that post for them. And they think that it's going to be this magical, you know, inroad to all these, all these leads. But you, you don't get the leads just by posting an article or posting a picture. You get it by engaging with the prospective client. Okay, so what specifically would you do in this instance? It's a sunny day. You're showing a buyer, let's just say a building with a rooftop deck in downtown Boston. The buyer goes, I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick. You have you have two, two three minutes to take a picture and post it on social media. What are you going to do? Where are you going to post it? What are you going to say? Give us some exact specifics. Yeah, absolutely. So if in that situation, I'm, I'm taking a picture of the skyline or something of that nature. I like to do no filters when I can, like if the lighting's right. But, you know, I'll, oftentimes I'll throw a filter on there. I try to get something prototypical Boston in the picture, whether it's the Hancock Tower, the Prudential Tower, the Charles River, something like that. And I'm posting that on Instagram, which then carries over to my Facebook page. And hashtagging the neighborhood and, and the building name or things like things like that are always helpful. But giving people kind of a behind the scenes look and saying out with buy- out with buyers had a quick break and wanted to share this this amazing skyline view with you would be kind of the 140 characters um and and then get when people are liking it and when people are engaging it, in it and saying oh that's awesome like looks like you're looks like you're doing well just being sure to reply to those people later on during that day and, and engaging with them and the, the other piece is, is, you know, going back and doing throwback Thursdays and, and things of that nature to, to reinvigorate some of these older posts, especially if I have a new listing coming on, um, you know, I might do a sneak peek and say, you know, get, guess where my new listing is and, and throwback Thursday to the, the time I was on that roof deck. So is all, is, would, would you say your Instagram page, 
then just kind of duplicates on your Facebook page, or do you ever do different things on each page? I'll do different things on each page. 90% of the time, my Instagram's carrying over to Facebook. If it's more of a personal type type post on Instagram, uh, I might not have a carryover, so that's that other 10%. And then on Facebook, I, I spend a lot of time sharing more information about neighborhoods, information about you know new buildings, new construction, as well as sharing the, the images. I've found that on Facebook, the, mo- the most likes I get on my Facebook business page are actually when I'm talking about something I'm doing in the community, you know, like in Jamaica Plain, where I, in the neighborhood I live in, every year mid-October, they, they do a big, they call it a lantern festival, and all the little kids are in their Halloween costumes, and they parade around the Jamaica Pond, which is kind of a, you know, a mainstay here in Jamaica Plain, and I, I posted something on my Instagram that carried over to my Facebook page, a picture of my wife and I in front of the, um, the lanterns, and a lot of, you know, social media experts would say, don't don't post personal things on your business page. But in this case, it showed that I was really a, a part of the community. And my engagement on that was tenfold, you know, what I had posted about a development in downtown Boston earlier earlier in the week. Wow, really cool, really cool. Well, Eric, this has been extremely insightful because markets are different everywhere that we go. And of all the people I talk to, they're in very different markets. Sounds mm-hmm. like Boston is just absolutely booming if you guys have a referral for boston massachusetts or surrounding areas eric rollo is your guy i'm going to put all of the show notes on hybendigital.com backslash eric rollo two and that's with uh, two l's r-o-l-l-o and then number two or uh, you could just go on to the search bar and type in eric or eric r and it will show up eric thanks so much for being on the show today i really appreciate it and i wish you the best of luck in your ascending markets and keep knocking them dead brother thank you pat i appreciate it good luck everyone all right real estate rock stars this is aaron muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate, how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.